The book of Psalms, starting with 52. So this is another one where we know what's going on when David writes this psalm. This is after uh, David had uh, gone to the house of the Lord and he'd been given bread from the house of the Lord for he and his men to eat. So remember that's what uh, Jesus references when the Pharisees question him for eating grain from the fields on the Sabbath. And uh, he needed a sword, and they said, oh, well, this the sword you took from Goliath is here. And so he took that sword. Uh, but Dog the Edomite was there, and, um, and David kind of suspected he might uh, be against him, and he was. He went straight to Saul and gave him the news of where David was, and the, uh, the priests and Levites that were there. I don't remember if they were priests or just Levites, but... Uh, they were executed uh, for that, all but one who ran off to David. And I think they were priests. And um, and so anyways, that's what's going on when, when David writes, Why do you boast in evil, O mighty man? The loving kindness of God endures all day long. And he, he just continues through all these verses to talk about the, the futility of boasting in, in wickedness. If, uh, you know, is this God's going to break you down forever for doing these things. You love evil more than good. It's, the, it's, you know, you will be uprooted from your land of the living. He says, but the righteous will see and fear and will laugh at him saying, behold, the man who would not make God his refuge, but trusted in the abundance of his riches and was strong in his evil desire. But as for me, I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the loving kindness of God forever and ever. I will give you thanks forever because you have done it. And I will wait on your name for it is good in the presence of your godly ones. So, you know, he spends the first several verses just being upset that people run after evil, but then in the end is just very grateful for the Lord and, and prom, you know, promises, um, makes a covenant with the Lord that he will seek after his way. He will find his home in him. And then we're on to 53. This was apparently to be sung in a sad way. And he starts with, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. So, unfortunately, there's still lots of fools today, and they think that they're enlightened, and they think people in the old days, um, that they believed in God, but now they are enlightened because they have science in this. It's a bunch of crap. Um, this, you know, this is, what, almost 3,000 years ago this was written, and people then were saying there is no God. Even in early pages of Genesis, there are people that believe there is no God. Um, that is not a new thing. Um, but the fool believes he is wise and says there is no God. But David says they are corrupt and have committed abominable injustice. There is no one. But then he kind of changes and says there is no one who does good. So he says every, basically saying everyone needs God because no one is good in and of themselves. He says, God has looked down from heaven upon the sons of men to see if there's anyone who understands, who seeks after God. So God is looking for people who are looking for him. And those are the ones he uses. 
but he says every one of them is turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Remember Jesus quotes this when he's asked, uh, or somebody calls him a good teacher, and he says there is no one good, not even one. So he's quoting David here. Um, and so David just continues to rail against um, the the people just kind of going their own way. But then he cries out for God and the salvation of Israel coming to Zion and God restoring his people. It says, let Jacob rejoice, let Israel be glad in this, this reality. And then we're on to 54. So this is when David was hiding amongst the Ziphites in the wilderness of Judah. And um, I think kind of near the kind of near the uh, Salt Sea is my impression, kind of near um, Engedi, maybe. Um, and so they, th- these people wanted to earn points with Saul, and so they came to tell Saul, hey, aren't you looking for David? He's here amongst us. And so David cries out to God, save me, O God, by your name, and vindicate me by your power. He, you know, he says, everybody's against me. I'm not <laughs> doing anything wrong, and everybody's trying to kill me. Hear my prayer, O God, give ear to the words of my mouth, for strangers have risen up against me, and violent men have sought my life. They have not set God before them. Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is the sustainer of my soul. He will recompense the evil to my foes. Destroy them in your faithfulness. Willingly I will sacrifice to you. I will give thanks to your name, O Lord, for it is good. For he has delivered me from all trouble, and my eye has looked with satisfaction upon my enemies. So David knows the Lord has delivered him before, and he believes he's going to deliver him again. So he's putting all his trust in the Lord. And then we're on to 55. Again, David sees trouble on all sides. Everybody's trying to get him, and he's bemoaning this to God. He's upset because he's had a companion who had had fellowship and counseled together and uh, walked in the house of God together, has turned against him. And he, he's just calling for God's judgment against this one and, and all these others that have come against him, he feels like, for, for no reason. He said, as for me, I shall call upon God, and the Lord will save me. Evening and morning and at noon, I will complain and murmur, and he will hear my voice. So he's putting his trust in the Lord. He, he's also... Uh, in 22, he's kind of encouraging others to cast their burdens on the Lord, and then the Lord will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. But you, O God, will bring them down to the pit of destruction. Men of bloodshed and deceit will not live out half their days, but I will trust in you. So David's calling judgment down on those that oppose him and um, and saying that he himself will trust the Lord. And, uh, you know, we have an army of spiritual darkness against us. And to those things, we should absolutely call down (laughs) uh, every bit of God's justice and and, uh, destruction. Um, Whenever I find myself feeling like people are against me and I want to be against God, you need to be quick to realize that they are often uh, beset with sin. They are under attack of these things. 
And so we, we see in the spirit, we see the spiritual realities around ourselves and around others and um, pray against those things because they are the definition of evil. And then we're on to 56. So this is when the Philistines have him at Gat. And David says, uh, David, of course, and David says, Be gracious to me, O God, for man has trampled upon me. Fighting all day long, he oppresses me. My foes have trampled upon me all day long, for there are many who fight proudly against me. But when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you, in God, whose word I praise. In God, I have put my trust. I shall not be afraid. What can mere man do to me? So that's a powerful thing. David is literally trying to be killed by people on all sides. His own people, the other people, everyone wants to kill him other than a small handful of friends. And, uh, but he says, you know, he, he's living in this reality, so he's very aware. But he says, I put my trust in you, O Lord God. And he has the, the realization that everyone is in God's hands. And he says, what can a man even do to me? Because I am the Lord's. Yes, they have swords, but I have the Lord. The Lord is with me. I'm giving my life to the Lord. I'm not going to be afraid of men with swords when I have the Lord and he has me. And he kind of repeats these same themes and then ends with, your vows are binding upon me, O God. I will render thank offerings to you, for you have delivered my soul from death, indeed my feet from stumbling, so that I may walk before God in the light of the living. So he's, David has a glimmer that there's an eternal life available to him now, and this is the reality that he walks in, even when it seems like he's surrounded by threat of death. And then we're on to 57. So David wrote this when he fled from Saul into a cave. Um, seems like that happened more than once, but this is one of those times. And he says, be gracious to me, O God, for my soul takes refuge in you. So he says, even though I'm hiding in a cave in my body, in reality, my soul is hiding in you, O God. In the shadow of your wings, I will take refuge until destruction passes by. I will cry to God Most High, to God who accomplishes all things for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He reproaches him who tramples upon me. God will send forth his loving kindness and his truth. My soul is among lions. I must lie among those who breathe forth fire. Even the sons of men whose teeth are spears and arrows and their tongue a sharp sword. Be exalted above the heavens, O God. So again, I mean... It, you know, these are wonderful psalms if we're going through difficulty to read and worship and realize others have gone through difficulty, but, but God is there. And remind yourself, God is here. God is with me. God helps me through these difficult times. And no matter what I see that might seem scary, none of them are as great as God who is with me because I have given myself to him. And he worships God. Be exalted above the heavens, O God. Let your glory be above all the earth. They have prepared a net for my steps. My soul is bowed down. They dug a pit before me. They themselves have fallen into the midst of it. But my heart is steadfast. O God, my heart is steadfast. I will sing yes. I will sing praises. Awake, my glory. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the people. 
I will sing praises to you among the nations, for your loving kindness is great to the heavens, and your truth to the clouds. Be exalted above the heavens, O God. Let your glory be above all the earth. Whenever we're going through difficult times, if we just worship the Lord, it breaks through whatever the enemy is pressing down upon us to make us overwhelmed with some imaginary reality that looks very real because we're experiencing something in the earth and the enemy is tormenting us with it. But if we just stop and worship the Lord, all that fades away and we have the... we we. We can experience the presence of God, the reality that he is with us and he is sovereign over every detail of life. And if we just worship him, we get back to a, a much more wonderful place. And I think we'll end there today. God bless you.